I wish we had built it for scale day one. <laughs> it definitely wasn't the case. You never know how successful you're going to be. You're hoping you get like, you know, the first 10 customers and then then you'll figure out how to scale efficiently. So the example I gave you, for example, the decision to run uh, video rendering on the cloud, that was one of the, like one of the pain points that, that kind of we struggled with as as we grew from 50 to 5,000 customers in a matter of three months. It was, it was an intense scaling exercise for our servers. I'm Vikram Chalana. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Victory AI. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Took six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the back end. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. Took many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. I was proud of her team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried to begin. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today, how Vikram Chilana built the platform to enable all company team members to create shareable, branded videos with ease. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open-sourced edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there, too. Terso makes this easy, utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Vikram Chalana grew up in India, but he has been in Seattle over 30 years. He graduated from the University of Washington and actually met his wife in college. In fact, his kids now go to the same school, so his whole family are Huskies. Outside of tech, he loves anything outdoors, skiing, biking, and kayaking. In fact, at the recording of this episode, he just got back from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. Vikram noticed that content marketing had shifted from text to images to videos. In his prior organization, they only had one person who was trained to create videos, though the demand for assets was high. After attempting to learn tools to make these videos, he wanted to find a better way to generate this type of content. This is the creation story of Pictory. So Pictory is about a four-year-old startup, and we are basically trying to make video creation and video editing easy for anyone. And that's been kind of the mission from from day one. Like the way I came across this problem is I'm a serial entrepreneur. So this is like the third company that I've been involved with. In my last company, we grew that to about 350 employees. And uh, one of the things I noticed is that content marketing has shifted 
it was text, then it moved to images, then it moved to videos. And you see that like Twitter to Instagram to TikTok. So we had 350 people and we had one person who was equipped to do videos. She was trained in Adobe Premiere and the other tools and everybody wanted videos, but they were not enabled with videos. So they needed to, they needed to get help to edit their videos, to record their videos, to, to create new videos. So whether it was product, whether it was engineering, whether it was marketing, sales, everybody wanted videos and, and people were not enabled to do that. So that's kind of what I started out. I tried to pick up these products, the Adobe Premiere and Camtasia and try to learn them. And they were felt very complicated. And I felt like there has to be a better way. And we started building something in like the end of 2019. Let's dive into the MVP then. So that first version of the product you built, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? We started fall of 2019 and we we were able to launch our first MVP in production by June of 2020. And it was a small team, a couple of developers that I'd worked with before, including our CTO, a couple of people we, we hired from the outside. And we used a lot of AWS tools. So everything AWS had to offer, like it was an Amplify app and it was using the AWS databases. It was using everything cloud, everything AWS. We probably explored every tool that AWS had to offer and we tried to build a, an MVP very quickly that way. And I think that was very helpful. And we tried to like standardize the stack of, you know, backend in Python, frontend in React. So that's kind of about nine months. AWS. That's a quick answer. Okay, so with any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around, you know, how you're going to build the product. And and I hear the technology choices, but maybe give me one or two of, an, of another choice you had to make around your approach or around, you know, feature cut or, or thinking and building that MVP and how you coped with those decisions. You're always doing trade-offs in any engineering design. And especially when you're designing a company where you have nothing to start with and, and you're coming up with a new product, there's a lot of trade-offs going on. So as an example, one of the trade-offs that, that we made is that we wanted to keep the user experience simple. By making that decision of keeping the user experience simple, you're necessarily saying that, hey, it's gonna actually not be as flexible. And so that simplicity versus flexibility trade-off, we leaned in the direction of simple uh, versus too flexible. So so that that actually has two advantages. A, you can get to something faster because uh, you kind of make the choices for the user. But B, it's, it is kind of our design goal and our, our users who we were designing it for, they're not professional video makers and video editors. So so we were trying to kind of satisfy that, that hey, this should be something that exists, right? Like if you're a PowerPoint user, you should be able to use uh, Victory very easily. And so that, that's an example of a design decision, a trade-off that, uh, that we make, but that was very deliberate. Some of the other trade-offs that are more complicated and, and harder to justify, things like, you know, where video rendering is an expensive, compute intensive, memory intensive process. Where do you do it? We ended up making a choice where we decided to do that rendering on the cloud because, again, we wanted to say anyone can do it on any kind of computer or browser and you don't need heavy, heavy lift. And that trade-off 
would end up later costing us a lot of money because cloud rendering and cloud computing it gets expensive and so so in the short term we made that decision but i think in the long term like you know that's that's something we're still paying for this episode is supported by treble this day and age apis are a fact of life and as such product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight real time and data rich to help them ship and maintain apis faster that's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash codestory. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? Encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero-trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. Okay, so you've got your MVP, it's working. You're gaining traction, people are liking it. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think to wrap that in a box a little bit, what I'm looking for is how did you build your roadmap? How did you figure out, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Pictory? I wish it was linear like that. (laughs) You initially launched the product for a certain market that you assume that that is there we've validated it with a lot of people we've talked to a lot of customers about it but when we go to the market no one wants it and you're kind of stuck you're like okay what what's going on they all said enthusiastically yes now what's happening so you drill in deeper you figure out kind of what's going on in their business we built it for enterprises for larger companies we said okay you know that's where we came from that's what our experience was and like you know we saw it everybody wants it and everybody will need it we'll build it but when it came time for selling they didn't want to commit and what we realized is was there were a couple of entrenched forces at work like the large company marketing is very agency heavy so everything is outsourced to agencies and stuff. So it was very hard for us to kind of go in there and say, hey, there's a tool that you know you can use, do it yourself. Then we started looking at other adjacent markets, adjacent plays that we can we could find and 
and we finally found this traction with the creator segment. And this was in the middle of the pandemic and, and videos were getting hot and everybody wanted to be a creator. As soon as we discovered that as a segment and we found a really good channel to address that segment, we started getting a lot of traction. It took us like nine months to build the product, but it took us a year to discover kind of this right market. And we kept iterating, building features, iterating. We, we built what we thought we heard from customers and we tried to sell, it didn't work. But then we, when we, as soon as we found the right segment, then it wasn't like pushing the rope uphill. Then, then the demand just, just started accelerating and, and people telling us about, this is what we want, this is the right product for us. We made our roadmap public and then we had customers come in and vote on the features they wanted to see. And that really helped us, customer feedback. We built a community, we used to poll people on the community. We used to poll people on our roadmap, our roadmap page. And that, that uh, early on, and even now, I think it's been two years since that, we've been really listening to our customers, our users on, on our community page, on our roadmap site, and, and that defines kind of what we're trying to build. Okay, you mentioned we during your description there. Tell me about how you built your team. And, and I'm curious about what you looked for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you. I've built startups in the past. So I had the fortune of working with some really good people in my past startups that I was able to try and convince and, and bring on to the to the victory ship. And my two co-founders, the three of us, we actually worked together at my previous company. One of them was a co-founder with me at my previous company, he's the CTO. And the second person was our first product manager at the previous company. So he joined as the CPO at Pictory. So that was my initial team. And then even the early set of engineers were people that we had worked with in the past. So there was a, there was a trust that was already established. But then over time, we now have about 50 people on the team. So we've hired people, obviously, that we don't always know. And uh, and a lot of it is values match for us. It's like, you know, we've, we've set up a, a system of core values that are important to, to all of us. And, and that's a big part. Other than, of course, do you have the, the technical skills for that part of the job that we're looking for? Uh, we try to make sure that, that your values match. So... So you're, um, you fit into our culture very well. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too, in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. Terso makes it easy. With a developer experience of SQLite in a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Terso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Terso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to terso.tech slash codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash codestory. Terso. Welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud costs, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. 
platforms, customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, Cast AI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. Let's flip to scalability. Did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or with scale in mind, or have you been finding this as you grow in any sort of capacity? I wish we had built it for scale day one. <laughs> it definitely wasn't the case. You never know how successful you're going to be. You're hoping you get, like, you know, the first 10 customers, and then, then you'll figure out how to scale efficiently. So the example I gave you, for example, the decision to run uh, video rendering on the cloud, that was one of the, like, one of the pain points that, that kind of we struggled with as, as we grew from 50 to 5,000 customers in a matter of three months. It was, it was an intense scaling exercise for our servers. And we had another growth curve like that over the, in the last six months where all our systems that we had set up, we realized have to be changed because they're just not meant to scale. And uh, so I wish we had the foresight, the, the vision to say, hey, we're gonna scale up to 25,000 paying customers right now. So I wish we were able to say that three years ago so that we'd have set up and made different system choices and design decisions, but obviously not. So we've struggled along the way. I think this is probably a common story. So as you step out on the balcony, you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? As, a, as an entrepreneur, I think it's really hard to answer that question because you're always like, Here, this is wrong with this, this is wrong with this part, this, this could be better, this could be better. But overall, I mean, I think we've built a nice company. I'm proud of the team that we've built. I'm proud of the customer community that we've built. I'm proud of the, the product that we've built. The product can still use a lot of lot of improvement. And I'm, I'm proud of the system and the culture and the set of values that we've built, which is all about learning and growing and and moving fast uh, and uh, and that that's I think that 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 culture is what I think I would say I'm the most proud of. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. There, there is a common thing. You ask the customer and you get a certain answer, and then your your vision of the product has a has a certain orthogonal answer, perhaps. The challenge always is trying to find the balance between the two. You know, do you satisfy, optimize to satisfy the customer or do you optimize to to build your vision out? And I think the mistakes that we've made as a team, I've made as a leader, have been in either direction. At one point we said, okay, we'll optimize too much towards the vision. And at another point we said we'd optimize too much towards the customer feedback. Both the choices are on the on the extreme end, and both of them are, are mistakes. You have to always find the right balance in the middle. I think that's the best way I can describe it. Okay, this will be fun to ask, and I'm always interested to hear what you have to say from a founder's perspective. What does the future look like for the product and for your team? There is so much going on in generative AI right now. I mean, if you'd asked me a year ago, I had no idea about this chat GPT thing that's coming. And I couldn't have, I couldn't have 
predicted that that's what you know our our future would be integrating with chat gpt and and pulling out this generative ai and integrating it with that our application so those are some of the immediate things that that we're doing in general like our future direction is going back to our true reason for doing this was you know we wanted to address any business people in an enterprise right now we're addressing as i mentioned creators and really small businesses and our vision is to try and move up market with our product so to to figure out okay how what kind of capabilities we can offer to bring this up market to to serve larger companies i mean there are so many technology pieces that are going to come with it as a part of this video creation journey in our product you can add narrative voices like text to speech voices that today we use uh, voices from amazon and google some of the best voices from that from those platforms but we are looking at how you can personalize and clone your voices in there we're looking at how you can create avatars of yourself and and put it in the video we're looking at all kinds of ways to help users with uh, generating the scripts automatically we're looking at different ways to distribute the the product the missing thing in the market in the video marketing space in general is you create a video you post it in a platform hopefully you learn from what kind of videos perform best on a given platform and and use that information use that knowledge to guide your future videos that closed loop end to end system don't exist today and that's what we're hoping to build in the future is is a feedback loop about videos and then AI in that loop helping you guide to create your next videos. Let's switch to you Vikram. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why. It's usually people who are big picture visionaries that really influence me, but not just that. Like I think visions and ideas are one thing, but people who are also able to execute them efficiently those are my role models so for a lot for the longest time bill gates was a really big influence on me on how how he started how he built microsoft how it became such a successful organization i mean i look up to satya nadella now like he's taken over the reins and and he's running that amazingly well so those are like the business leaders that i that i look up to who also are like not just business leaders but technology leaders and and visionaries in many ways Okay, so we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? This could be something that worked out, but maybe you tweak it a little bit. Some of the design choices we made, technology-wise, we might have we might have done differently, but I think if we had moved faster in terms of discovering the market, I felt like we spent a lot of time trying to figure out and trying to go after the enterprises and the larger companies. if we had moved faster to go after the creators and the you know youtubers small businesses small agencies if we had gone gone after them quicker we would have discovered a lot more and and we'd have been able to bring a lot more features much quicker we were trying to optimize for a different market based on our vision this was one of the mistakes i talked about where we optimized too much on on our vision and and didn't listen to what the market was necessarily looking for so i think that that would have been the the way i would have i might have done things differently is we wasted a lot of time and and we could have saved months 
in our journey and and uh, accelerated if we had done that earlier. Okay, last question, Vikram. So you're getting on a plane. You're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit? One of my biggest pieces of advice is don't get too attached to your initial idea or your initial sense of the market. Be prepared to pivot and and. Let the let the kind of market guide you to to where you would pivot, and and I see that that as a big challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs is like you know you have a you have a great idea you either have a technology or a market idea and then you get too attached to it you spend years and years going after that to then finally realize that hey this was a this was not a great outcome regardless people are very afraid to go jump on the entrepreneurship bandwagon and I'm like you know the experience you'll have no matter whether you were successful or not, the experience you have will be invaluable and you have to do it. You should go ahead and, and uh, pursue the idea, pursue this to your fullest. Uh, just be prepared to pivot, do it a couple of times. You, you'd come out so mature at the end of the journey, uh, regardless of whether it's successful or not. Couldn't agree more. Well, Vikram, thank you for being on the show today and thank you for telling the creation story of Pictory. Thank you, Noah. It was a pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.